0: I'm April Morley. I'm co-founder of Genius Drive and the Enterprise Value Collective.
1: And I'm Tom Pasello, the ROI guy.
0: This podcast is a service of the Enterprise Value Collective, a community for business value-focused leaders and practitioners, and is sponsored by our value consultancy, Genius Drive.
1: Our mission is to help accelerate and optimize the value articulation in each of your customer engagements and throughout your customer lifecycle. We have a special guest today, Marianne DeSimone. She is a value consulting expert who led the value program transformation at a company many of you know, Dunn & Bradstreet, D&B. Uh, she was also a value consult, uh, consultant at a consultancy, Lawrence Associates, where she worked with enterprise sellers at Microsoft, which is where I met her years ago, CenturyLink, uh, Scholastic Publishing, and many more. And we'll be covering the topic of value is in the eye of the beholder. Welcome, Marianne Simone.
2: Thank you, Tom. Good to see you. Hi, April. Hi. Thanks for joining my pleasure. I'm very excited to be here because I've you know, watched a number of coffee talks and I, I am totally intrigued with the fact that uh, instead of being you know, theoretical, it really gets down to the, the nuts and bolts of how value works in the, in the real world.
1: Excellent. And we do have our coffee with us here today. What does, Miriam, what does, I love the Christmas cup, what does value in the eye of the beholder that statement. What does that mean to you?
2: I thought about that. It seems so simplistic on the surface. And yet there's two parts to it uh, in my mind. One is the word value and the other is the word beholder. So you know, in today's value is is um a term that gets bounced around. And what it means for me is that uh whatever I'm seeing Resonates. It fulfills a need I have for something. Mm-hmm. Um, the beholder side is interesting because you know, in today's environment, in in the business environment, there's many beholders. <laughs> we think of you know, there our 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 person who we may engage with originally, our champion, or the individual who has researched us online to death, probably with the amount of digital content that's out there. Uh, when we're asked to take audience to come in, they really, um, they've they've done their due diligence. And so for us to rehash feature functionality initially is probably redundant in their eyes. Um, And and in addition to that beholder, sitting behind that individual are a number of folks who have to, um, I like to say, these are the people who can say no, they can't say yes, but they can say no, and they are really also our value stakeholders, and if we don't include them in our value messaging, in our business cases or documentation, we're, it's incomplete. That value message is, uh, is incomplete, and so we have to determine, uh, which is an art into itself, getting a, uh, a champion to disclose who participates. Who are those other personas we should be paying attention to? Um, I can't tell you how many times in my career uh, the individual I'm talking to has said things like, oh, no, no, you just need to deal with me. I will take care of everything else and making sure that it, it, you know, it, it is communicated to the rest of the organization. So the sale starts to change from selling a product to selling that individual on the value of letting me or my organization do the right and proper justification that is representative for all the needs across their organization. So before I start talking feature functionality, I'm really talking about what can we bring to the table to help you champion this the way you want to throughout your organization. I know that was a very long explanation. That was good. Value is in the eye of the (laughs) beholder. And
1: Marianne, to back up some of what you're saying, um, Gartner researches. You know how many stakeholders are involved in a decision, and for an enterprise sale, it's 12, 13, give or take. It's more than two dozen that are involved overall in the decision. So 12 or 13 are directly involved that will have an active role in the buying decision, and they are truly the beholders. And then there's another group that could be procurement, CFOs, signatures, reviewers, compliance, IT, that are the uh, arbiters of no within the organization. So just to put some numbers to some of the information you're conveying. So
2: there's two, two ways I've approached that number of, of, of stakeholders. Depending on the uh, complexity of the technology sale, I have been known to have them bifurcate the conversation around value, one going into the business stakeholders and the other going to the technology. Because oftentimes if you have those same parties in the room and you're trying to have conversations that have to do with technology, the business stakeholders are, you know, eyes are glazing over and they're checking their phones. And mm-hmm. vice versa, the technology people are chomping at the bit to know how long does it take to stand this up, or you know th- their definitions of value, those personas. So teasing those apart and having separate conversation work streams seems to be effective in you know addressing that you know eight million stakeholder thing that's going on. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's so interesting how you approached Beholder, right? There's the Beholder that's in front of you, the champion, the person that you're working with who is helping to evaluate whatever it is that you're offering, and then there's all of the Beholders behind them, right, who are the stakeholders across the organization. Um, Why do you think that it's so important for them to understand the target personas, but more importantly, how do you think this changes how they can engage with the customers?
2: yes it 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 changes it, it's important because it will reflect those the knowledge that you gain from interfacing with those other personas will reflect within the um the sales conversation and when people see their own needs reflected they the thing that happens to me that's most important is it builds trust it says i'm being heard it says that you are listening to what i'm saying and you you've 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 now uh oriented what you're telling me so i can see it through my through my lens so it, it's really important to to accelerate the sale and to make it be you know uh, much more likely uh to go forward um the other part of your question was what <laughs> <laughs> I think you covered it. It was really just
0: around, you know, how does that change how they engage with the customer?
2: Yes. And so actually, let me let me keep going with that. How they engage is a um, is a conversation. And this is I this is my favorite methodology. It's a structured conversation. It doesn't mean control. It doesn't mean that I'm not letting them talk, but I'm guiding through a series of questions that really determine at the end of the day, what does it take for you to be successful in your job? You know, that critical success factor, what are the three to five things that if you don't do these this year, you're not going to have a job. And it is amazing. I used it the other day in a a personal situation with someone. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I did was point to the wall behind them and say, there they are. There's my three to five right on the wall. People love to share those. And once you know what's driving them, then you can start to get into more detail uh, in that structured conversation about, well, how do you measure that? Mm -hmm. And then where are you today? And where are you trying to get to? Like, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, we need to improve our sales. I, you know, I have to grow sales 25%. Okay. Well, where are you today? Well, we have a close rate of, how do you measure a close rate? This is where we are. This is where we're going. So you start to 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 orient yourself, not only to the general concept of success, but then to the details and metrics so that if you're going to show value, if you can apply it to those metrics, you, you, you start to build a very defensible uh, business case. Yeah, Marianne, too often a seller will
1: ask a couple of those cursory questions like, what's your goal or what are you challenged with? And then they'll immediately go to the pitch deck <clears throat> and start pitching, right? And so we find that even though it seems like what you're saying makes sense, that values in the eye of the beholder, you've got to make sure you're talking to their individual goals and pain points. And then that you're doing this discovery in a linear fashion that's digging deeper and deeper to what's their starting point, where do they ultimately want to get to, what's getting in the way. But it seems like sellers are challenged with the approach. so.
2: Why do you think that challenge exists? If in the immortal words of frozen, they need (laughs) to let it go. It it is, um, I think oftentimes uh, people are afraid to let the customer get deeper and, and emote about that. And because they're oftentimes conscious about what do I need to say next? They fail to use natural curiosity to tune into what the customer saying. My favorite, um, two favorite things are peel that onion. There's layers underneath, rich, great stuff. So you have to peel those back. And the other is instead of going, you know, an inch deep and a mile wide, go an inch wide and a mile deep. And when you start to get to those secondary and tertiary layers with your customer, Trust starts to build. You start to gain genuine understanding because there's no flybys. You're really testing to make sure you truly understand. I had a opportunity to interview, uh, do a discovery session with a CFO a while back. And um, I used a lot of the information and the, the way I was asking questions from previous people because I had learned from them. And that's the other thing about spending time with your different personas is you start to accrue like a library of understanding, a depth of understanding that you can then draw on in further conversations. But we started talking and after about 45 minutes he paused and he said, I don't know what's happening. I never spend this much time with anybody. I never tell this much information. Why is this happening? And I just laughed. I said, well I appreciate it because what you've given me is ways for me to understand what's important to your organization so that I'm not wasting your time talking about things on our solution that really um, that, that really is not a great need for you. But it just, it made me laugh. People, um, if questions are asked correctly and you spend the time to really understand, you, people, sellers would be amazed at how much their customers are willing to disclose.
1: I agree. And in that, if they are Socratic-like questions, not only will they they be disclosing information, but they'll also be becoming more self-aware, perhaps, with their responses, almost like a good therapist, right? They know what questions to ask to get the patient to share, but in the sharing comes the healing.
2: You are so right. That is exactly a good discovery session. It's like a therapy session oftentimes.
0: You were saying that uh, you've seen in the field a lot of um, thinking about what is the ni- next thing to say and not leaning on natural curiosity. So how have you seen, you know, in the field helping pivot that conversation to the more natural dialogue?
2: Practice. So having the structure of what you know that you're going to want to discover, which is you know critical success factors and the KPIs, the strategies and the challenges, so you know those are your big boxes, but then practicing um, in in either role play situations or with customers that you're not really um, uh, particularly uh, concerned about. You know, you might not want to practice the first time with a C-level, you know, in the C-suite, mm-hmm. but you can start with your basic, you know, end user or manager and just practice and 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 uh, go with the flow again, back to being able to to let it go. But it, it absolutely is a skill that can be honed. And um, the more comfortable you, you get with it, the more relaxed you can uh, become. And your customer can sense that relaxation. You know, have you ever been with a, with a uh, an individual who's trying to have a conversation with you, and you really feel like they're uncomfortable doing that? Everybody gets uncomfortable in the in the process, both the buyer and the seller. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it does behoove people to go ahead and uh, and practice.
1: Yeah. And it's not reading through that list or the opposite, which we still find, which is, again, a cursory couple of questions and then a pitch. Um, Right. You spoke about it where, you know, in the pitch, you as the seller, you want to come across as smart and intelligent. And time and time again, study after study shows that those who listen more and talk less are often perceived as the smartest in the room, particularly if they're asking the right questions and active listening.
2: Yeah, and I would challenge people to, if a customer uses a term, to um, take a deep breath and say, I don't know what that term means. Can you explain that to me? Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. People, rather than you just nodding your head like pretending, because it could Mm -hmm. be a term that's internal to your client, and uh and then they will again just be very forthcoming but it it, it we have this fear of being uh, seen as less than 100% capable in everything we do and it it really does us a disservice in the value area you need to expose yourself to your curiosity and to the things you need to know to be a good value uh, engineer or seller
1: yeah Marianne. when a customer when a when a seller and an organization Solution provider gets this right. What have you seen as some of the results, the value that they've been able to achieve? Uh,
2: It's it's just remarkable. First of all, uh, I have um, you know because I've been so long in the industry, I've influenced a lot of people in this in the value world, and I still get notes from people that I did enablement with back in the early two thousands. Yes, I know it's hard to believe that I've been in that face that long. Um, But they'll say, you changed my, my way that I, I earn a living because Mm -hmm. I'm so much more effective. And I am, I've been so much more successful because I look at this through the lens of value. Um, You know, you can, um, there's a a fear that you're going to slow down the sales process by introducing value, by interviewing more stakeholders. But it, it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen a painter. They spend a uh, like a house painter. They spend a whole lot of time on the prep, and then they just paint the house in no time. That's similar in my mind to value. There's a lot that goes into understanding, and once you understand and you can frame it within the correct uh, uh, position, it and in, in the you have a bulletproof, defensible business value approach. And your deal's going to go through. And sometimes in that process, um, you discover things that indicate the likelihood of this sale is not there. I have a friend that said, uh, "World class sellers know how to disqualify Absolutely. customers," mm-hmm. and it, that's so important because if you only have so many cycles to get through, why would you want to waste your time hunting? After a, a deal that's never going to materialize and, and so you need to cut that loose and go on to things that that have potential
1: Marianne, I taught driving school for Porsche and BMW in uh, one <laughs> of my lives and um, we used to have a saying that's very similar to what you said with the painters which is go in slow to come out fast you know if you go into that turn and you're all out of control and you're all out of sorts and you breaking hard and the weight distribution is all off, you're going to go in sloppy and you're going to come out and you're not going to be able to accelerate the way you want to. And I view value and value in the eye of the beholder a lot that way. If you go in a little bit slower, a little bit more methodical, ask the questions or everything else, you're going to be able to know everything and get the process built right and come out of that turn so much quicker by going in nice and tidy and keeping everything balanced and under control.
2: Yeah. Well, that's a great analogy. Yeah. I like that. I may steal that.
1: went <laughs> <laughs> slow to come out fast. I think they used it in Art of Racing in the Rain. Great movie. Great oh, yeah. Book. I love that, that movie. Was, <laughs> that a movie. All
0: right. So, Marion, what is the one piece of advice you'd like to leave the Enterprise Value
2: Collective with today? I would say. Make sure your main stakeholder sees the value of um, the exercise you're going to take them through that's I think of it as the sale before the sale. Get them excited about being able to really understand the business value that your service product technology is going to bring. Paint the picture of being able to articulate for them and then being able to articulate for their internal stakeholders how this is this opportunity is going to change their, uh, you know, change their business. And and so before you go running into feature functionality, really, really spend time um, walking your clients through the value of value. Love that advice.
0: Uh, So thanks so much for participating in the Value Coffee Talk podcast, Marianne. Thanks. It
2: was great fun.
0: Uh, Please remember, everyone,
1: sign up for the Enterprise Value Collective on LinkedIn or on our geniusdrive.com website if you haven't done so already. That helps you to stay in touch on the latest events, which Marianne was at our latest event. You'll get to hang out with folks like Marianne and pick their brain on their best practices, get tools, insights, advice, And also, if you like this podcast, please hit the like button, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We've got new episodes coming out every week. And until next time, our Enterprise Value Collective keep sharing and growing together.